Thank you for downloading this message from Roots Community Church. We pray that you are encouraged by the word. If you're looking for more information, please visit us at rccphoenix.com. We're going to start a a new series to begin this year. And this series is going to be um, based around the armor of God. And uh, every once in a while, what you'll get here at RCC is... Um, before we get into one of these series, there's a message that sets up the series, and that's what this is going to be. And so we're going to dive into over the series, you know, all of the pieces of the armor of God, what they mean, what they, how you put them on, how they interact with each other, how they, um, how they equip you to, to go forward and fight the battle um, in your life and the things that God set before you. And we're going to get into all that. But tonight, this is kind of a foundational message for that. And, and I'm not a guy who, um, and if you do this, please don't take offense because I'm not coming at you if you do this. This is completely fine. Just personally, I'm not a guy who goes and says, um, God, tell me a word for this year. And I'm not that guy, and there's a, there's a very good reason for that. Well, I mean, I think I know why that is. I'm a little bit of a contrarian, and when everybody does that, I'm like, I'm not going to do that, right? And so that's, uh, the Lord's working on me with a little bit of that, so, so pardon me on some of that. But um, I, I, don't, I don't really go do that um, a whole lot, but here in this message, I feel like God gave us a little bit of a compass for this year. And so um, I'm doing something that I don't normally do, which I would wholeheartedly reject, and now the Lord kind of put it on my heart to do, and so this is part of just obeying him and doing the things, you know, you're not comfortable with doing. So um, I really feel like it's going to give us um, some direction for this year, as Nina and I have been going over the calendar at the end of last year, and then between coughing spells, you know, for the beginning part of this year. Um, there's a lot of plans that, that, and some things that God's opening up for us as a church um, that we will be able to go and do. And so I think that this message, as I was kind of getting into my study this week, I said, oh, this is really laying the foundation, yes, for this series that's coming, but also for the year that's coming for RCC. So um, let's go ahead and read the, the passage of Scripture this series is going to be built around. It's at the end of Ephesians chapter 6. This is Paul writing to the Christian church in Ephesus. And this is the very end of his letter, chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. I'll read it out loud in your hearing, and you just kind of follow along in your notes, okay? Um, oh, also, everybody online, if you want to go to rccphoenix.com, click the media link. The notes are there for this message right now for you to go and follow along with us if you'd like to grab them as well. Okay, here we go. Ephesians 6, <clears throat> 10 through 18. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. And in addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and persistent in your own prayers for believers everywhere. So, 
there is some very specific language that Paul uses here that he is trying to convey and shift the perspective and mindset of the ones who are, who are reading this, this particular letter from him in Ephesus. Okay, so it's the first line of your notes here is that Paul uses the language of fighting, war, wrestling, and battle to convey a new mindset for believers, to convey a new mindset for believers, okay? So he is trying, and we're going to see in a couple other places as well, he's trying to say, hey, got to snap out of the haze, got to snap out of the, the, the mundane, I'm just going to go and float along and, you know, sit in the inner tube of life and just wherever the winds push me and the waves go, I'm just going to go that way, I'm going to try to not get too wet, going to just, you know, try to ride out the things, going to try to have a good vacation this year, maybe get a little bump, you know, with, with, the, with the old corporate ladder, you know, I'm going to get all that, and then at the end of the year, we'll made all the bills, and we'll still have a home and a car, and maybe something new if we were if we did it right and you know tried to keep our Dave Ramsey plan and all of that stuff and yes and we're going to roll into 2023 and do the same thing he's trying to get people who have not that same idea but a very consistent um uh, attitude of how they're going to approach life he's trying to get them to say hey got to shift your mindset Got to turn on something, open up something that is not necessarily a default posture for us. I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. Yes, that is awesome. There is now a work to be done. And he's saying, I'm trying to shift your mindset by the, the terminology he uses. He just doesn't use it here. So let's, uh, number one in your notes. Several times, Paul refers to believers in Christ as soldiers. As soldiers. So here's, so he's not only talking to the, if, if he was only, if we only found this in the book of Ephesians, you could say, well, maybe he's talking to the church in Ephesus to kind of fight their government, but he doesn't. He's telling everyone who will listen. How do we know? Philippians, the church in Philippi, chapter 2, verse 25. Meanwhile, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He's a true brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, and he was your messenger to help me in my need. He just doesn't tell the, the assemblies of believers in these cities. He's telling direct people or who are his good friends. Philemon, chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. This letter is from Paul, a prisoner for preaching the good news about Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. I'm writing to Philemon, our beloved co-worker, and to our sister, Aphia, and to our fellow soldier, Archippus, and to the church that meets in your house. He is constantly, throughout the New Testament, coming back to this idea of war, wrestling, battle, and if you're going to go and follow where the Lord is sending, that you are a soldier. That you're a soldier enlisted by God to follow his direction. So what we're going to find here is he talks to another one of his friends. So he's talked to the church in Ephesus. He's talked to the church in Philemon. or I'm sorry, in Philippi. He talked to his good friend Philemon. And now he's going to talk to his friend Timothy on the same level, but he says something, number two in your notes, that we need to pay attention to. Soldiers don't concern themselves with civilian life. Soldiers don't concern themselves with civilian life. Here he is talking to Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, 3 and 4. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. 
Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. Now let me deal with that last line right there. The officer that enlisted them is that when that comes to you, that is not your pastor. That is not the person who prayed with you and led you to Jesus. That might have been a recruiter, but that's not the officer. The officer is God himself. Why? Because when you had faith in Jesus, he says, you're in. And his spirit is giving you direction for what you're supposed to be doing with your life going forward. He is the one who enlisted you. I had no, if you got saved in this church or in some other church, the pastor that was there, or if you got saved here, you know, or myself, we have no, we have no way to enlist you. I can take you to Jesus, but you got to have faith in him. There's no prayer that I can pray and that you can recite. There's not some mantra that you can, you know, say, repeat after me that guarantees you entrance into heaven. It is your faith in Jesus, your confession of that faith, and then I'm going to, to really not just say it out of my mouth, but it's going to change me. So the officer who enlisted you is God. So who are we trying to please here? Him. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. For them, they cannot please the officer, God himself, who has enlisted them for a purpose. So our pleasing has to be him. The goal of who we're trying to please has to be him. So if he's saying, what are, don't get concerned with the quote-unquote civilian life, what are some concerns of civilian life? Well, I'm sure their concerns might have been different than ours, but... We, both, we still have them, and so I'm going to just deal with three of them. And the first one, letter A in your notes, politics. Politics. Why in the world would you start with politics? Because in our current climate of culture, we are bombarded with politics. You pick D or R, and a handful of you pick I, independent, and then everybody starts swinging. And you swing with votes. You swing with smear campaigns. You, you swing with, 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 I can't believe that, you know, that this guy used to be president. I'm so glad for the new guy. And then there's other sides like, I can't believe the other guy isn't still president. I hate the new guy. And then we start telling each other, and we, it, it has really become the religion of America. People have abandoned God, and because when you abandon God, you try to be God yourself, and when you fail at giving yourself every guttural desire that you want, you look to someone else who might be able to lead you there, and when that leader doesn't get you every fleshly desire you want, you look for the structures that control the masses to not only give you tolerance and acceptance, but affirmation and empowerment of the every guttural, filthy, fleshly desire that I've got. And then that's where we are on the swing now. And then what's happening is people who, who put their trust, their religion, their belief, their faith in the government structure set up by men don't realize that the altar of government requires sacrifice, sacrifices in human blood. It's going to lead to some type of bloodshed and people will cry out, what do we do? And God comes in those moments. We should not run through this cycle every single time. We shouldn't. But this is where the culture is. This is where we are right now. It is the religion. Why? Because all your faith. No, I'm not talking about y'all. All the culture's faith is in what? 
the newest law that comes down the pipe, the newest structure, the newest uh, amendment to some bill, the new, and it doesn't matter what side you're on, everybody's wrong. At some point in time, everybody's got it wrong. Why? Why is, are we starting with this one? Because if we as believers in Christ get caught up in this nonsense as it is our essence, it's everything. I have to make sure that I maintain X, Y, and Z. I have to make, make sure I maintain this for this country and that for this country and fight against these guys who are trying to do that. I'm not saying that there's not any real battles that need to happen in that front. But if we are consumed by that, then we are soldiers who are consumed with the civilian life. Because that temporary government structure uh, doesn't last forever. Because men don't last forever. Nations don't last forever. Constitutions don't last forever. Bills of rights don't last forever. Something somewhere down the road is going to change. It is a temporary structure that people have put all their faith in because it's all they're going to know in the span of their life. We have to detach ourselves from the faith in politicians because it's faith in man. And let me give you a biblical word for that, idolatry. We have to divorce ourselves. We have to separate ourselves from that mindset because as believers in Christ, you're not concerned with civilian life. I'm not trying to please the people who are in, this, who are in my camp on my side of whatever issue or the people who are leading it. I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to carry out the work of the officer who enlisted me who's God. We got to turn our focus away from this. Philippians 3, 18 through 20. This is Paul talking again to the church in Philippi. I have told you often before, and I say it with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they're really enemies of the cross of Christ. They're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they only think about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of the United States. No, heaven we are citizens of heaven where the lord jesus christ lives and we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our savior there will be no america in the new heavens and no earth god comes here and sets all of it up under his own structure that's going to be the perfect thing we're not citizens here if you are if you are a believer in christ you've really given your life to him you're not a citizen here you're an ambassador from the place where your true citizenship lies. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Since then you've been raised by Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Typically, when we read the words earthly things, we think what? Houses, cars, clothes, prestige, money, job, success. You know what another earthly thing is? Governmental structure. It's an earthly thing. Why start the year with point number one, civilian life, turn our attention away from this? Because do we care more about politics than obedience to Christ? Do I feel relief when my guy, my party is in control in Congress or the House or the Senate or in the presidency? When I feel like my person is in control, do I go, oh, okay, we're on the right path now. And if you do, fine, but does that, does, does that, oh, provide an opportunity for you to do what we're called to do? 
Or do we just feel like, oh, I fought that war, and now we're in with my boats and all the people I yelled at on social media, which don't know me, got thumb muscles, you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you about that guy you voted for. You know what I mean? Are we more concerned with that? Now, at some point, somebody somewhere is going to ask me this question. Are you saying we shouldn't vote? No. Are you saying I shouldn't know what's going on in our country, that we shouldn't be trying to preserve freedoms? Not at all. But it is, a, is it an all-consuming thing for you as a believer in Jesus? You are supposed to be wise of what's going on. You are, we're, I believe we're going to have to stand for what we've done with the, the incredible privilege of freedom that we have been given in this time in history. We're going to have to answer to God for that gift. What did we do with it? Are we so enamored with fighting there that when it comes to the Bible, we're like, oh, well, somebody can go, go do that because I've been over here screaming to people about politics. Why pay attention to the politics? It'll impact your life. It'll probably gain you some freedom or restrictions. That will matter to you in the way you live everyday life, but that's if I got the mindset of a civilian. Paul's dragging me, kicking and screaming sometimes to the mindset of you're a soldier. Something else that we deal with from civilian life. All these start with a P because we're nifty. First one was politics. Second was paychecks. <clears throat> paychecks. <clears throat> Matthew 6, 19 through 21, and then we'll skip down to 24 through 25. Don't store up treasures here on earth. This is uh, Jesus, by the way, talking to his followers. Don't store up treasures on earth where moths and eat them and rust destroys them. And where thieves break in and steal, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there are the desires of your heart will also be. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and, despite, and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Matt, are you telling me that I shouldn't be concerned about money at all? No, you should. You've got to provide for your family. The New Testament is very clear that a believer who, who uh, um, he's dealing with men specifically, but he says if you're a guy and you're a believer who's not providing for his family, uh, you're worse off than an unbeliever. You're worse than an unbeliever. Pretty clear about that. You have to pay attention. You've got to pay the mortgage. You need money to eat. We're not living in an ag agricultural society. Well, most of us aren't, where you're, like, growing stuff in your backyard. And if you do that, I hate you because I can't do that. I'm just kidding. I, I can't do that on my own yard, right, because I'm going to kill those things. I have, my thumbs are the furthest thing from green. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not good at that. Um, should you be happy about the bump you got because you did a good job? Absolutely. But I like the way that this is said in verse 20. I think it's 25. Um, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. It cannot be the point, the place where you derive 
meaning, where you derive value, where you derive, I'm going to do all of this stuff once I do that. If your identity is wrapped up in money, you are enslaved to it. And as a soldier, you are now taking your eye off the battle and putting it on civilian life. And he's saying, hey, stop this civilian life focus. Let's get in here where the soldiers are supposed to be. Third one, last P for you, popularity, letter C. I want to make this abundantly clear. Next line in your notes. Scripture gives no real way to serve God faithfully and remain popular to the world. Scripture gives no real way to serve God faithfully and remain popular to the world. You telling me, Matt, i got to cut off all my friends that are not believers? No, they need Jesus. Don't cut them off. But what I'm telling you is you are going to have a confrontational moment. It may not be like big screaming, yelling, hollering, all that kind of stuff. But there will be a point where if they are allowing the culture, the beliefs and the mindset of the culture to dictate their thoughts and opinions and viewpoints, and you are sticking with Scripture, there's going to come a time where those things clash. It's going to happen. If you have very few friends in your local body, your local fellowship, your local church, and a whole bunch of friends out there in the world, my guess is you're going to be tempted to start to compromise. Because the most people that you are around, the more people that you are impacted, that are drawn and driven and influenced by the culture, they're going to have that influence on you. Romans 12, 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior or customs of this world. I'm going to say it one more time. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn how to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You might think, well, just Paul is just on this kick. Well, let's go to James. Chapter 4, verse 4 and 5. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I'll say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. Matt, it sounds like here that scripture is telling me I can't be a... Uh, uh, friends with people in the world who are not saved. It doesn't say you can't be friends with. It says don't be friends of the world. It's a key word there. What does that of mean? Um, yeah, I mean, I go to church, go to the messages, listen to this stuff, but yeah, I know it's just kind of an old book, right? That Bible thing, you know, I know it was good for back then, but it's not really up to the times, you know, what we know in culture and society and humanity. And, and yeah, I'm not really good with all that stuff. I'm, I'm good with y'all, but I still go just because, you know, we, we're supposed to be good, right? 
it's supposed to be about love, right? So I go because it's about love, but all of these issues that I can give a laundry list of that all of you can, can too, are we influenced because we're friends, we're influenced with, we're in relationship with the world. When it says being a friend of the world, that's what it's talking about. It's not talking about having a friend who's an unbeliever. Everybody needs those. Are we so concerned with the affairs of men that, we have forgot, that we've forgotten to or neglect the direction of our ultimate leader? So those are just three things, just big ones that I felt like kind of in my heart that I, we wanted to address here tonight for things of civilian life. So Paul has used this language to say, your soldiers get in the fight. There's a battle. There's a, there's a war going on here. He's used this language. He's told you, hey, there's civilian, there's civilian um, affairs that people get caught up in that I want you to walk away from. We've talked about a couple of those. So if, if he's turning our attention towards something, what is he turning it to? Number three in your notes, we have to get in the fight. We have to get in the fight. How do we get in the fight? So we've talked about the concerns that are of civilians. What are the concerns of believers or soldiers? Well, I'm not going to point you, I'm not going to go through the entire message that we went through in November. I think it was November 14th. You can go back and, and listen to that instructions for a living based on Titus chapter 2. What we're supposed to be doing, but what we're supposed to be doing as followers and disciples of Christ, the actions of the soldier, I, I got 10 of them that are directly from Titus chapter 2. And we'll go through them here pretty quickly. The first one, practice self-control. Practice self-control. In a world that is hell-bent on, you can't tell me what to do. Give me whatever I want. Call me whatever it is on the list that I want to be called today. There's no control. It's out of control. There's no self-discipline. There's none of that today. Practice self-control. It would be a great, a great reflection of Christ as a believer. Number two, live wisely. Live wisely in the decisions that you make for your family, your job, your, your routine, the things you participate in, the people that you participate in those things with, the, the, um, the way you steward the people and the money that has been entrusted to you. Live wisely. Next one, establish a sound faith. Establish a sound faith, not just a faith in something or a faith in yourself or in some God somewhere out there in the ether or some force of the universe. No, a sound faith that starts with Jesus. Number four, be filled with love and patience. Be filled with love and patience. And again, we're not talking about the fluffy, come here and give me a hug. We're not talking about that. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not easily angered. It is not jealous. It keeps no record of wrong. That type of love that God showed us, that's what I'm talking about. Next one, example integrity. Did you do what you said you were going to do? Did I commit to something and drop it? 
Or did I say, I'm going to do this, and regardless what happens, I'm going to follow it all the way through? Does my public talk match my private life? We've got example integrity. Prioritize truth is the next one. Prioritize truth. Do good. Live pure. The next one's a big one. Control our tongue. In um, one of the very first Rush Hour movies, a great theologian, Chris Tucker, said, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Right? So let me, let me, let me tweak that for, for RCC version, right? It's the Matt, Matt International version. Do you control the words that are coming out of your mouth? Do I control the words that are coming out of my mouth? Because uh, that is a direct reflection of the self-control we talked about at the beginning. It's a direct reflection, reflection if I'm choosing to take into my heart and my mind things that are wise and good. It's a direct reflection of that integrity. If I'm filled with love and patience, if I'm doing good, if I'm prioritizing truth, if I'm living pure, or does somebody step up to me in the wrong way or say something online the wrong way and then in the words of an old comedian, the what the filth, foul, foul, filth, foul, foul of your built and filth, foul, foul comes out. Does that just spill out of us or are we in control of our tongue? Last one's pass on what we learned. Pass on what we've learned. Have we taken the truth of the gospel and not kept it to ourselves? and been shy and embarrassed about it, but handed it out to anyone who would listen. I'm going to talk to two specific groups of people real quick, husbands and fathers. How can we get in the fight? You can lead yourselves. I should have put a period right there. Lead yourselves and your families to God and openly read his word, engage with his word. Be an example of commitment and service to God, your family, and his people. This is one of the ways you get in the fight with your family. Why is this important? Because generations of younger people have given up or been disillusioned with the church because their parents attended and never became in the image of Christ. They went all the time. Every time the doors were open, volunteered, worked the hours of a part-time job volunteering, never got paid for it, came and did a whole bunch of stuff. And it was fun and good, and we all said, yes, it's really awesome. And then walked home unchanged and lived like the world. That's on every adult who has children, but I'm going to put the onus on the fathers first. Let's lead ourselves and our families to God and openly engage with his word and be that example of commitment and service to our God, our family, and other people. Wives and mothers, how can you get in the fight? The first thing you can do is pray. This doesn't mean that the men shouldn't be praying. You should be, definitely. But Titus chapter 2 puts a, a big focus on a lot of this stuff. And here's another one is pray. Contend 
for your husbands. Contend for your children. Contend for your, your families. Be an example of God's love and care to everyone you encounter. Why is that important? Because um, I have seen up close and per- personal with my wife and with many people I've known who before they were married and they got married and they had kids, that once that mother switch is flipped on, that mother switch never just pertains to your own kids. That mother influence and looking out for others extends to anybody else that might come in your home who might be lacking or devoid of a parental influence or anybody else that you meet. Because once that mother thing is, that gets kicked on, it doesn't turn off for some people and on for others. It is mom all the time. we are not going to sit by and enjoy life as civilians. I spent a little more time than I would like to admit trying to determine if that was the way I was going to say that. Or should I take it down a notch and be like, let's don't, let me just encourage you not to. And I think if we're gonna, if we are really people who are pursuing Christ, we're really disciples of His, we're really following His, His instructions. We are really digging down into His Word, and we're going to literally have roots that go deep into Him, and we produce fruit. And our belief structure is going to be in Him, and not what is done in the church. Then I think I can pretty confidently say that we're not going to sit by this year and enjoy life as civilians. We're going to train people to operate, operate like Paul has instructed, and we're going to live like soldiers. Matt, can I still take a vacation with my family? Yes. Yes. Matt, can I do something that's enjoyable? Absolutely. Can I cheer for my football team? Yep. Is that going to consume your life? Or is pleasing the God, the officer who enlisted us, our highest priority? So where do we start? There's a bunch of stuff we can do. We've talked about, you know, how we fight for our families. How do we, where do we start as soldiers? In the first place that every soldier who enlists starts in his boot camp. It is a way to train your mind and body with immense discipline and to follow the direction of the God who has given us. We begin by battling our flesh. We begin by battling our flesh. If you're like, Matt, where is that? Luke chapter 9, 23. Then Jesus told the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up my cross daily. That word doesn't appear in the other versions. It's in Luke chapter 9. You must take up your cross daily and follow me. We have to put some appetites and desires to death if we're going to be soldiers. So here's what I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you for the next week. I would have, if we didn't have service, if we had service last week, I would ask you to do it for two weeks, but y'all lucked out. 
boot camps half the time this time this year. Um, I'm kidding, but I'm going to ask you to, to join me the next week um, in fasting. And you may be like me and kind of roll your eyes like everybody fasts at the beginning of the year. Why don't we just do it in March when everyone's done with it? You know what I mean, Mr. Contrarian? You know, uh, but um, um, there's a, there's a uh, scripture in Psalms where David talks about how he starts his days with God. Early in the morning will I rise. I'm not saying that's the right thing that you have to do. I'm just saying I've found it to be effective. Because if I get too deep into something, my mind's already gone into the day, and I'm just, it, it just doesn't happen. So here at the beginning of the year, I'm going to ask you to join me in a fast. And so fasting, what does that look like? It's typically almost always in the Bible surrounding food. I know a lot of people are like, I fast my green shoes because I love them so much. You know, well, okay. Well, that's not really a fast. I fast, you know, fill in the blank. Okay. And if you have some kind of health problem or something like that, I'm not, try- I'm not telling you to reject what your doctors told you or some dietary requirements. I'm not telling you to abandon all that. You can find something else to fast. But I'm asking you to join me fasting in something food-related, and here's why. We need to fight our flesh. And when you, some people, you may be like, I'm just going to fast a meal a day. Great. I'm going to fast sun up to sundown. There's a whole bunch of biblical stuff, especially in the Old Testament, where it talks about fasting that way. You can fast types of food, um, kind of what we've traditionally called a Daniel fast, especially eating fruits and vegetables and cutting out meat and sugar and stuff like that. And find something to fast, and here's why I'm asking you to do that, is because um, every single person, every one of us, has an appetite that needs to be in control. You might be like, well, food's not my thing. Is there another physical appetite that you have for something that is not in line with God's word that you need to break, that you need to fight there to earn integrity, self-control, to live wisely, and to follow these things that Titus chapter 2 is listed out for us? Let's take a physical approach to a spiritual concept. And let's deny ourselves the thing that we need. Now, do not die, deny yourself water. Keep the liquids. You live in a dry environment. The goal here is not to earn brownie points with God. That's not what this is. This idea is that he must increase and I must decrease. As I'm going to ask you to consider, to start tomorrow, and we'll go for seven days, through next Sunday, um, joining with me. I'm not telling you to do it and not doing it. I'm, I'll, I'll be doing it as well. Um, and when that hunger starts, that rumbling in your stomach, you feel your stomach growling. What do I do then, Matt? Well, there's a part of your discipline. Say, I'm not going to eat. And you have an opportunity that your hunger will serve you. Because every time that stomach rumbles, God, I pray that this thing that I've been fighting in my flesh, this appetite that's not of you, I pray it would die. It's a way for your hunger to serve you. As a reminder, as people of God, too, I'm, gonna, I'm a soldier. I'm trying to get myself, change my appetites for the things that I want. Matt, you don't understand. I've had a double cheeseburger with bacon and jalapenos every Wednesday for the last five years. 
Okay. Great. Just give it up once. I really am going to want it. I understand. I understand. There's nothing better than, do not give me, like when I'm done with this, I will not be running for an impossible plant-based burger. It's not a burger. I get it. Am I going to turn my affections and my attention to what the life of the soldier should be? Or am I going to stay down here with the affairs of a civilian life? Are you telling me if I fast for a week, it's going to solve all these appetites I have? For No. It will spark discipline in you. I don't know if I can do it. Yeah, I don't know either. Uh, but the Spirit of God that lives inside of you, the, um, the Spirit that lives inside of you, uh, the last fruit of the Spirit listed is self-control. I'm going to be tired, maybe. But about day three, you might find that there's a clarity of your heart and spirit that you haven't experienced in a very long time. So I'm going to ask you to join me with that. For what purpose? So we can start our battle fighting the flesh. Not today, but later on, we're going to announce three months throughout the year, three separate months where there's going to be a further level of discipleship training available to us I'm going to ask us to keep the mentality of soldiers and let's get let's let's go deeper. There's going to be more opportunities this year than in the history of our church to serve the community and serve each other. And I'm not talking about just coming here and volunteering, although that is a thing that we you can do. I'm talking about going and taking the gospel. There are a number of different avenues to the city. The major things that you may have experience and grown accustomed to traditionally may change this coming year. Why? Because we're soldiers. We've been enlisted by the God who gave us everything. Not to just go out and fight and you know, you know, we'll talk about spiritual warfare, but spiritual warfare is not yelling at demons. We're going to go take the light to a dark world. We're going to fulfill the Great Commission. And as soldiers, we're going to put a smile on the enlisting officer's face. Because that's all I want. Are you trying to take the brand of RCC and make it elevated in this city so people will come? Nope. I don't care where they go. I want people to come here. I believe we can teach and train and disciple very well here. But I don't care. Like, it's not about us succeeding. It's about us carrying out our role. And if the last couple of weeks of things that God has sparked in us and through prayer and, and through a time of fasting and through dedication and looking ahead towards the year is any indication of what's coming, um, he has a role for us. As small as we are, he's got a role for us. And we're going to go and follow his command. So let's start now. Doesn't mean you don't have things in your life you're going to do. We're not going to eat up every single day of your life. You know what I mean? You're not going to live here. 
Is that what you're supposed to do? Supposed to be encouraged here, faithful here, serve each other, and garner strength and a spiritually nourished to go out there and carry out the work that God's got for us. How do you know if there's been growth in you already? Well, here's a good rule of thumb you can do, not here, but later on. Think about you, January 2021. And think about the things that would set you off, trigger you at that moment, would launch you into a tirade that would descend on you so much that you would just run to something to cope. Fill in the blank of whatever it is that you do. And then look at yourself November, December time frame of 2021 and said, when that thing, I got so mad and I was about to zip, I caught it and said, I'm frustrated, but that's not going, that's not the right way to respond. Did you catch yourself? Because then you grew in your self-discipline. Did you stop spending money without thinking about it? And did you tell it where to go? Did you steward it well? To where at the end of the year you go, I think I got a good handle on this. I realize that I'm blowing X amount of dollars running through Baskin Robbins, getting a gold medal ribbon, double scoop, and a waffle cone every Thursday, and washing it down with a donut on Friday morning because I made it through another week from Rainbow Donuts. Not that Bosa nonsense. Don't bring in that Bosa nonsense. Um, that's wildly specific. Sorry, I kind of checked out there for a second. I was wildly vulnerable at that moment. Um, uh, have you stopped that? And said, you know what, that's not serving my health. It's not serving me. It's not serving me financially. And it's kind of funny, right? Um, until you think, man, those stops were probably 500 bucks. That I had much more fun buying hamburgers for 10 people who were homeless than stuffing my face with more of that. Look, it's awesome. The ice cream's awesome. It'll be at the marriage stuff with the lamb. That's dessert. Gold medal ribbon ice cream from Baskin Robbins. But... I'll save that for there. Time to act like a soldier. You are going to be pushed, nudged, encouraged. No one's going to be drill sergeanting you. You know what I mean? Like, get up, get over here. You know, no one's yelling at you like that. Um, but you are going to be nudged, encouraged, pushed, prodded, bumped in a direction to live that way. And as we walk through this series, we'll see how we'll gear up, but we got to start with our mindset right now. We gotta, we're a soldier.